0: It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 Are we good? Are we on? Great, great apprenticing happening in the booth. That's good. That's what we're all about: education, education, learning, all about it in every form, including the sound booth. It's a good thing. Let's welcome our guests, the campus choir. and my neighbor slash their teacher, Professor Navarro. (laughs) Technically not our guests because they're part of us, but when they're all together as a unit, it's pretty special to have them here. So we're really, really glad you're here. I'd also like to take this opportunity to remind you that you are on camera all night long. (laughs) So pay attention, is what I'm saying. Well, my friends, we are entering into the last full week of classes for the year. <laughs> Woo! 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 How many of you have something to do tomorrow? Way to go! Way to be here! Way to take a break! Or maybe way to procrastinate? I'm not really <laughs> sure how to name that, but. <laughs> Senior, shh! Greg, there are freshmen in the room. Shh. It's good to be here, it's good to finally have it warm, and I know a lot of you have a lot to do before the end of the year, and so I wanna just alert you to where we're going here in worship over the next uh, couple of weeks. So we have two lofts left after tonight. Oh, I know, that's how I feel. All summer long on Sunday nights, I feel really edgy. Don't know what to do with myself. So next week, we're gonna finish the series, What If It's True, by talking about what if it's true that we really need to forgive. Yeah, so if you've got some spiritual business to clean up before you go home, if you have to forgive a teacher, a roommate, a professor, a friend, a teammate, a parent, um, a human being, I think that covers everybody. <laughs> next, next week would be a great day to come, and, and we're going to think and pray together about forgiveness. And then two weeks, uh, May 12, we are going to have an evening of testimonies. And some of you who were here last year remember we did cardboard testimonies. We're gonna do that again. So yeah, woo-hoo, woo-hoo, woo. Yeah, so cardboard testimonies. Um, if you've never heard about them before, I'll put the link to last year's uh, site on my Facebook page, Pastor Mary, and you can uh, take a look at what we did last year. So in two weeks, it'll be testimonies. Think about the role that you might wanna play in that service, because I know a lot of you have had God do some amazing stuff in your life this year. So that's where we're going. Next week, forgiveness. The week after that um, will be our time of testimonies. And then um, our chapel loft schedule is on the lovely pink for spring. And I just want to point out on the back of every chapel loft schedule, there are open times for prayer that are listed, both here in the sanctuary and then down in the meditation chapel and sometimes during exam week and project week you just need a quiet place to go and be with god and so we have the sanctuary set apart we have a meditation chapel set apart so pick up a schedule and you'll find out when those times are and then on tuesday may 7 which is the day before the last day of classes we are going to have prayer stations here plus quite possibly snacks uh, during the normal chapel time, so from about 9.50 until about 9, uh, 10.40. So we're gonna, go, we're gonna have people who are stationed here in the chapel. So if you really need prayer to, for a particular exam to get through, you're a senior, you're graduating, you don't have a job, you're a freshman, you need money, you don't have a job, Whatever is on your heart that you need prayer for, Tuesday, May 7, we're gonna have prayer people stationed here. You can come in, you can be prayed for, you can get a snack, you can go on. All right, so that's Tuesday, May 7th, special times of prayer and snacks, all right? I'm not gonna reveal the snacks, you just have to come and see what they are, but they will be awesome. (laughs) And then uh, Wednesday, May 8th, we'll have a senior sing, a senior song fest, so uh, pick up your schedule so you know what's happening with that. And then, um, so we have a couple more weeks to take our offering for the community care fund. We may have some testimonies about that. And you've been so great this year uh, with the Community Care Fund. Your faithful generosity, whether it's a buck a week or five bucks a week, has really made significant difference in the lives of some of our students and their parents. And so I just, I want you to hear that. The gratitude, I was with um, a mom this week. Her daughter's been in the hospital and we were able to put them up in the print center while they were here because you cared. And she said, I cannot believe that a college would do this for us. I said, not any college. (laughs) My people, my people do this, yes. So it's just, you need to know that that just makes people's lives so much easier. So we have the opportunity now to give for the Community Care Fund and then I'll come up and we'll have a time of prayer. So I invite the ushers to come forward for that. So, as a community, we've been praying for our brother Steve Akeo, and um, Steve is still in very serious condition, although today he was able to speak in his native Swahili a few words, um, not anything near sentences, and he remains very fragile. There are a lot of things about his system that need to to be restored, his heart, his lungs, his kidney, his liver, all of these things. And so Um, While he's in that state, uh, no visitors because of his his immune system is really suppressed. But regular prayer for him would be fantastic. And we know that the prayers of the righteous have greatly transformed his situation already from a a time of uh, thinking that we were going to lose him to a time of God kind of waking him up and bringing him back. And Steve's story, like all of ours, is not yet finished. And so we continue to give him up to the Lord and see what God's gonna do there. And then uh, our student, Maddie, who is in the hospital with a very severe strain of pneumonia, able to be discharged, she's gonna go home for a couple of weeks. And uh, this is what happens when we have a student in crisis, there's like a swarm of love that happens, a swarm of love. So Maddie is a good student, she's a solid student, she's doing great, and she's very anxious about not performing and not finishing out the semester, as we all would be, except Greg, because he has senioritis. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so academic support comes along and they communicate with her professors and the residents life people come and say, "Will she need on campus housing, will she need different housing than she has that's more contained or more private or less germs, fewer germs. And all these people, the chaplain staff comes along and the vice president for student life comes along and all these people come around a student to say, do you have every resource you need to flourish? and um, we, we all have like text messages going, who's been there and um, someone from academic support like brings cake to the room and berries and she and her friends like eat the cake. Like that's the level of care that happens. I'm not encouraging you to have a crisis. <laughs> let's be clear, let's be clear. Um, just saying we have a lot to be thankful for as a community when we have people who step up to that level and it's a, it's a great thing and uh, we, We can be pleased that God allows us all to serve each other in that way. So let's gather those things and bring them to the Lord. Lord, it is good to be in your house. It is good to be with your people. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you that they are generous, that they are kind, that they love well, We give you thanks for Calvin College, for this community of learning and this community of faith, how people shape us and transform us and pray for us and lift us up. We are grateful. We are grateful for the healing that you have already brought to Steve Akeo. We pray, Lord, in your mercy that you are not yet done with him. There are things that he needs to say and speak and teach So, Lord, we pray for healing for him. We pray for his brain. We pray for his language skills. We pray for his heart, his kidneys, his liver, his lungs. Lord, we pray that slowly but steadily there will be progress day by day by day, that you will give our Steve back to us. Lord, we say this in complete surrender, knowing that what you have done in his life already has been amazing. And if he were with us tonight, he would say that his life is in your hands and that he is in complete peace because of that. So we thank you that even in times of big crisis, he has peace. We pray for Maddie. We pray that you continue to heal her completely. We pray that you root out any sign of infection, that the antibiotics she is on will do what they need to do and so that she can come back and have her summer job and... Finish her courses as she so longs to do. And we pray that Maddie and Steve and others in our community, when we have the opportunity to rely on others, that we take it. It's easy for us to be independent and self-reliant. It's easy for us to be isolated. And so, Lord, if we're in pain, if we're hurting, if we need someone, give us the courage to ask for it. It's easy to put on a brave front and say that we're fine when the truth is that we're overwhelmed. Maybe we're a senior and we really need a job. Maybe we're graduating and our friends all have plans and we don't have plans. Maybe we're going back to a home that has changed because our parents are no longer together since we've been at Calvin. Maybe we're going home to strife and uncertainty. So Lord, we pray that you will give us the courage to tell another person and will you give us the eyes and ears to see when another person is hurting and go to them and pray for them. Lord, may this be a place in which our woundings and our feelings can be spoken about with ease so that they can be healed, forgiven. We thank you that you are a God who has purpose For our lives that you have purpose for this world and tonight as we think about that we pray lord that we will be people who can say here i am lord here i am send me where you want to send me lord as we open your word tonight as we gather around your table tonight will you holy spirit come and attend to us so that through the reading and preaching of the word, through the participation in the feast, that we will be called once again into a deeper discipleship, into a wholehearted devotion to you who has saved us. Lord, may we be able to say, here we are, servants of the Lord. Let it be to us according to your word. We pray a blessing on your word and sacrament through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Turn with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. Do y'all have Bibles? Do y'all need Bibles? You got Bibles? Great. Page 949, 949, Ephesians 2, if you have a pew Bible. Now just stick your finger in there and just keep it there for just a minute. So, The people of Ephesus, to whom Paul is writing, were by and large people who were new to the gospel. They didn't quite get it. And in their religious traditions, the things that they had grown up with, gods were entities that had to be served, had to be respected. Gods themselves didn't particularly like you. You had to work really hard to get the gods' attention. That was the season of the Ephesians' lives. That's what they had grown up with. You work hard, God may or may not like you. But it's all about you and how hard you work. That was their experience. And they also believed that life really didn't have much of a purpose to it at all. That it just kind of went on, They died, you became a ghost. That was kind of it. There wasn't a whole lot about it. So in the letter to Ephesians, there are two big themes that come up. One is purpose and the other is power. Paul writes to them and say, here's what you need to know about our God. The true God, the living God. The God has purpose for your life, and he has the power to accomplish it. He has the power to accomplish it. Not you. you got, you got no power. You have no power at all. God's power works in you to do what God wants to do. All right? So that's the context. That's what he is saying. And with that, we turn to chapter 2, and we'll read 10 verses of chapter 2, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He says this, You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus." For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. You see why he has to say that? He's got to make this really clear. By grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's very clear. How many times does grace come up in this passage, right? By grace you have been saved. It's like, pew, pew, pew. By grace you have been saved. It is not your own doing, it is a gift. It's a gift. It's not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And the the word that's actually used there for we are what he has made us, the, the word is poema. Poema, it's the word we get poem from. For you are God's poem. Other translations say, you are God's handiwork. You are God's masterpiece. God is invested in you. Now, if you're an Ephesian who's grown up with the gods being out there, don't really know you, you have to work really hard to get their attention, and someone comes along and says to you, God knows you, God has a purpose for you, God created you, you are God's poem, that would be revolutionary. That would be a completely new world. So Paul says, God has a purpose for your life. In chapter one, he said he chose you before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. He predestined you for adoption as his children. Completely new theology for the Ephesians. Completely new theology. And suddenly, the idea of their own lives having purpose took on a whole new meaning. Took on a completely new meaning. Wait, there is a God, eh? He likes me. He has a purpose for my life. Well, this could be transformational. (laughs) Yes, my friends, it is. So why then the question, what if it's true that God has a purpose for my life? Where does that come from? That comes from our inability, as they all said silently, that comes from our inability to pay attention to what God is doing in our lives, right? We're really good at saying, God, do you have a purpose for my life? God, do you have a purpose for my life? And we expect like an email or something, <laughs> right? Well, if we look at the whole of Scripture, we can glean that there are indeed ways in which God communicates with His people, and they don't generally take an email, Twitter, Facebook, direct-from-God kind of approach. Indirect? Yes. Direct? Probably not. If you have one of those, we should talk. So we're going to look tonight at the ways in which God does communicate us in an effort to show us the good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. So I need a volunteer. Excellent. Yes, come forward, please. I would like you to stand here. That is excellent. Can you see the sign, see what it says? All right, tell me your name. Fain. Fain, everybody, Fain. Fain. Fain is holding up a poster, let's all turn and see. See? Show it to the, the entire circle of life tonight. Very good, very good. Good, so word, one of the ways in which God speaks to us and reveals his will to us is through his word. And this isn't a kind of a proof text game where you're like, I need direction for my life and that's not it, (laughs) right? That's, That's not how you use scripture, right? And you're reading about the Jebusites and you're getting confused. That's not the idea. Word happens through the regular submission of yourself to reading God's word. Actually reading it, not randomly, not upon occasion, but a steady diet of reading God's word. And here's why. If I want to be able to recognize the God who's working in my life, I have to look at how he's worked in the lives of others. Right? So in the fall, our Bible study is going to be on Exodus. Woo! All right, that was a little quiet. Thank you, thank you, okay. Thank you, Nate. It's going to be on Exodus. And as I've been thinking about this Bible study and getting ready for it, I think it's amazing in Exodus how God works in people's lives. Right from the get go. Moses, Shiprah, Pua, two of my favorite Bible characters. If you don't know their names, oh, you will this fall. <laughs> Shiprah, Pua, Miriam, Aaron, Pharaoh. It's just, he's working all the time. And one of the great things about when we read God's Word, we're constantly being exposed as to how God works in people's lives. So if I want to know how God's going to work in my life, I need to be able to see how has He worked in other people's lives. The other thing that regular immersion in the Word does is that it also tells me what God doesn't do and what God doesn't want me to do. This is also important. When you're trying to discern God's will it's important to know that there are certain things that God will not ask you to do. They are things that are against his word. So if you wake up some morning and you believe that God is telling you to rob a bank, take the money, and move to Fiji, I'm going to go with no. Because <laughs> that's against his word, okay? So that's, how, that's why we need to be in the word. And so often we put up barriers to actually using words like, the perfect lighting, and the perfect place, and my chair has to be just so, and no noise, no interruptions, I'm reading the Word. <laughs> and, and we make it like this thing where it needs to be much more like, you have a Bible in your backpack, you've got 15 minutes because the person you're going to meet at Knollcrest is late, you sit there, you open it up, you read. You read for a while. Person shows up. Great. Put it back in your backpack. Go. Why do we make this more complicated than it needs to be? Read it. When N.T. Wright was here, all right, well-known theologian, big brain, thoughtful, disciple, loves Jesus. He was like, guys, just sit down and read the word. Except it sounded a lot better because he had an English accent. (laughs) But he said, Why don't you just sit and, like, read Colossians? Sit down, read Philippians. It doesn't take that long. Sit down, read some Psalms. Just read. Read. Find a buddy. Have a Bible buddy. Have a Bible in your backpack. Read. Learn about the God that you are working so hard to follow. Word. Word. Make sense? I need another volunteer. Keith. You got the word? Okay. Keith, everybody. Okay, do a, do, a, do a 360. Here, got it? Got it, got it, good thing, thank you. Good, good teamwork there, that was good, that was good teamwork. <laughs> so the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We need to be immersed in the Word and we need to be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Now this one can feel a little slippery. With the Bible, you've got a book. You open it, you read the words. With the Holy Spirit, it's like, (laughs) where is he? What's he doing? That's how it can feel, particularly with those of us who've grown up in traditions where the Holy Spirit isn't really engaged a whole lot. And Jerry Seinfeld would describe the Spirit as a bit of a low talker, right? A lot of times he's like, excuse me, See? See how Keith's like, I have no idea what she's saying. Right? Right? And, and so we need to get attentive and pay attention to how the spirit works. And the spirit usually works through what other people call coincidence, but we good Calvinists call providence. All right? So for example, you have your devotions this morning and you happen to read, for we are God's workmanship created in and you're like, oh, that's nice. And then you get in line, behind somebody at lunch at commons and it says on the back of his t-shirt we are god's workmanship and you're like "Well, that's funny i just read that and then you come to loft and you open it up and the preacher says we are god's workmanship and you're like okay okay what's happening what's happening i'm trying he's trying to give me a message trying to give me a message that's how the holy spirit works these things that come at you and all of a sudden you're like wow i get it but you have to be paying attention and this takes time and you often miss it, right? You can be like, whew. So then the Holy Spirit gets a little louder and a little louder, and then sometimes he just whacks you upside the head, <laughs> which is what he did to me recently. So I was, uh, a few weeks ago, I was uh, Saturday morning, and I was having a time of prayer, and there was something that was really heavy on my heart that I had just been worrying about and couldn't come around. Just It was heavy. It was just weighing on my heart. And so I read my... Bible, which talked about uh, surrender, and then I read my devotional book, which didn't know that I was going to read about surrender. My devotional book was all about trust. You have to trust, you have to trust, you have to trust. So I was like, okay, alright, I've got to trust. So later that Saturday, I went to a shower for a friend of mine who's getting married. And the host of the shower does this really cool thing where when you give a gift to the bride-to-be, you can go and pick a gift from the cool gifts that she's bought for everybody who came to the shower. That is a great idea, by the way. <laughs> so I went to the table full of all kinds of things. Other people have gotten picture frames, and they've gotten scarves, and they've gotten cool things for their refrigerator, like really cool things. And I was like, oh, I wonder what I'm going to get. I'm gonna, I wonder what I'm going to get. Here's what I get. So I, I unwrap this and I'm like, oh, that's great, that's great. Oh. <laughs> huh. Okay. Uncle. I get it. Trust. And it was just one of those moments where the Holy Spirit's like, I am so going to nail this into your head. <laughs> with love. that <laughs> you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart just like you tell all the people who come and sit in your office how about you try it yourself okay that's how the holy spirit works this attentiveness and there could be somebody who comes into your life and she may have no idea what's going on and she'll just say something to you you'll be like Whoa. i had this crazy thing happen a few weeks ago and i was leading this retreat for a number of students from uh, Calvin, Hope, U of M, MSU. He's broken down all the dividing walls. And I uh, th- was talking about, uh, one of the questions they asked was how do you discern God's will for your life? And if you're not being clear, then what do you do? And And I just said, well, you know, um, I was talking about this person trying to decide about seminary, and she decided to go, and once she made the decision, she had a whole lot of peace, and that's her great marker. I said, but if you don't know, and you're not having a lot of peace, it's just, just wait. And maybe that waiting looks like working at Starbucks for a while. And when I said that, everyone in the entire conference just burst out laughing. And I was like, what, what did I say? Is Starbucks funny? And I find out at the break, That the young woman who had asked me the question was trying to decide whether or not she should go to seminary and was currently working at Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Okay? That's how the Holy Spirit works. And you need to be attentive. You need to be paying attention. These things don't just align or be spoken to you, like, randomly, like, He's got business to do. He will do his business with you. Okay. So how you discern God's will? You immerse in the Word. You're attentive to the Spirit. And then I need another volunteer. Ben, is that Ben? Ben. Ben, everyone. show it to the choir so the choir can see? Do a big 360. (laughs) Great. Great. Good. Why don't you stand right back here in front of the speaker? Right here in the middle. Hold that sign. You guys move slightly toward the head? Toward the edge? Excellent. Community. Christian community. So when Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians, all the verbs are plural. You all Y'all are God's workmanship. God's prepared things in advance for y'all to do. There's a Christian community aspect to what he's doing. And when we're trying to discern God's will for our lives, it's people who know us and love us and love Jesus who can be great resources for helping us figure out what we're supposed to do. So if you're trying to decide what you should do about something, and you've been in the Word, and you've been attentive to the Spirit, and these things seem kind of quiet, go to people who you know really well. If you're trying to decide about a major, for example, trying to decide what you should be when you grow up. Ben, is this hitting a spot with you? <laughs> so Ben, you're trying to decide what to do with your life, it's important to be in community with people that you can say, can you see me being a dentist? Can you see me being an artist? Can you see me living overseas for an extended period of time? And people who know you well are probably gonna have a good insight for you. (laughs) But these are people who know you and love you and love Jesus and want your flourishing. And this is real Christian community. Like we can say like, oh, I live in a dorm, I live in Christian community. (laughs) <laughs> okay, But real Christian community means you're asking people questions about your life that matter and you're asking them questions about their life that matters. This takes intention. This takes focus. This takes vulnerability. Have you ever asked your friends, so I, I'm thinking about going out with this person, what do you think? Your friends are usually pretty good at saying, oh, totally, yes, that's a great idea, I've been praying for this, or, not on your life, are you insane? <laughs> friends are great for that, because when we're infatuated with somebody, we can't see everything, and it's all like, "Ooh, he's so nice, she's so pretty, ah. She gets all the answers right in calculus. I love her. (laughs) And you need to have somebody in your life who takes a pause and says, before we have a first date, we're going to have a conversation. See, often we're like, I don't know if I should marry this person or not marry this person. Too late! Back it up. Before the first date, ask the Christian community, should I even spend time with this particular individual? And if they say yes, have coffee, have a cup of tea, hot chocolate, pick your hot beverage. <laughs> and then you debrief with your people. How did it go? What did you observe? What did you like? What, what was intriguing? Does the person love Jesus? Very important question. And then you say, well, now we approve you for a second date. <laughs> and then down the line and down the line and down the line it goes, so that the Christian community becomes part and parcel of your discernment. Does that make sense? All right. There's one key factor missing. I need one more volunteer. Choir. A choir. I need a. I need a lady. We got. We got a lot of. We got a, right there. The lovely BHT Dr. Sue shirt. Tell me your name. Ariana. 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 Everyone. Alright, let's back up. Everybody see the sign? See the sign? you see the sign? Alright, now I want you to get right into the middle. You guys step a little bit forward so she is right. Okay, this is the triangle of discernment. Okay? This is the triangle of discernment. This is where you live. You live in the zone. This is where you live. Okay, this is where you live. Go home and watch Hitch. This is where you live. This is the zone. This is where you stay. Okay? Because it's tempting when we don't think that God's communicating with us very well. Come with me, Arianna. It is tempting to place ourselves over here. And we're like, God, what are you doing? Why aren't you talking to me? Why aren't you answering me? Why aren't you giving me some kind of direction? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And we're way over here. That's like saying to your friend, why haven't you called me? You haven't called me. You never call me. You don't even text. And your phone is turned off, and it's in your sock drawer. When we're over here, we're not in the zone of discernment you got to be in the zone. Go back to the zone, go to the zone, go to the zone. You have to live in the zone. The other temptation is to only like hover around the zone and then when you have a big decision to make, should I take this job or not take this job? Then you're like, okay, now I'm in the zone. In the zone, decisions made, out of the zone. Because it takes time and effort and discipline to stay in the zone. It takes discipline to make the word a part of your life. It takes discipline and patience and quiet and solitude to be aware of what the Holy Spirit is up to. It takes vulnerability and authenticity and high trust to be a member of a Christian community. And you've got to stay in the zone. The other thing that often happens is when we're in a time of real struggle and we don't know what God's doing in our lives. That's when we need to come forward here. You come forward. Thane, come on over. We gotta gather everything around us tight, tight. So if you're in a time of struggle or unknowing or you don't know what God is up to in your life, you gotta bring your people in tight. You gotta spend more time in the word, more time with your people, more time with the spirit. Because these are the things that sustain you and allow you to live in the zone. Now God says through Paul that we are his workmanship, we are his craftsmanship, we are his delight. He longs to tell you what his purpose is for you. And his purpose isn't just for like, what am I gonna do in five years? It's what are you gonna do tonight before you go to sleep? This is a daily practice. You gotta be in the zone every day. Because God has cool things for you to do every day. Paul says he's prepared these in advance for us to be our way of life. Our way of life. Every day, you've got stuff. It's like, for those of you who are retro game people and know like Pac-Man, right? And you're just like going through your regular little little Pac-Man, like And then suddenly, one of the dots ahead of you glows a special color and you're like, oh, power right? Eat it. and You're like, woo, 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 woo. Right? There's more power. God has prepared good things for you to do every day, and you're just going through, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's a cool thing I get to do. Woo, 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 woo. Because if you're paying attention to the Spirit, and you're in the Word, and you're with your community, you're going to be able to recognize that God's got something cool for you to do tonight before you go to bed. It could be as simple as saying to someone on your floor who's really stressed, can I just pray with you tonight before you go to bed? I'm just gonna pray. Because maybe you're not going to bed, then you really need to pray. It could be as simple as saying, you know, I've I've spent all year and I've given faithfully to the community care fund and it turns out at the end of the year, I'm gonna have a little bit extra and I'm gonna put it there because I think that's what God wants me to do. It could be that as you're thinking about where you're gonna live next year, who you're going to live with, you think, how are we going to do the Bible study together? How is that going to be part of who we are? How are we going to let the word shape us so we get to know who this God is and what he's up to in our lives? It could be that you're going on a semester abroad. It could be that you're graduating and you're thinking, how do I choose Christian community? How do I find Christian community? What does that look like? And be able to start praying about that now. You may lay those things down. Let's thank our friends. God has prepared these things in advance for you to do. They're already there, they're already prepared. And part of his delight as a beautiful creator God As Paul says, part of his delight is to watch us go through and find those cool things to do. Those are really cool, like the moment with Ben, when I'm like, you don't know what to be when you grow up, and he starts laughing, right? That was a moment we all got to participate in, where God's like, woo, 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 right there, I'm working right there. So much fun. So when we make the question, what if it's true that God has a purpose for your life, when we make it like, oh, I gotta find purpose, I have to have meaning, what is life all about? We're missing the fact that God's like, I created you in my image to go and have fun. To go and find good works and do them. Because I've got stuff out there for you. So pay attention. This is going to be great. And one of the key reasons we know that is because he's given us his son, Jesus. And when Jesus was on earth, he taught and he healed and he told jokes. He laughed. He loved He was God's workmanship. He was living out what God had prepared for him to do. And as Paul writes, it's by grace that we're saved. Our works don't get us anything. It's grace that brings us to the table. It's grace that feeds us up. As you take the bread and you take the cup tonight, that is fuel for your journey from a God who loves you and knows what you need for you are God's workmanship created to do good works, which he prepared beforehand to be our way of life. It's our way of life because of Jesus. This is our way of life. Will you pray with me? Our God, we give you praise and thanks on this day because you are a God of purpose, and you are a God of power. And that power is at work within us to do more than we ask or imagine. So God, we pray that as we gather around this table that we will be fed, that our eyes will be opened, that we will hunger for your word, that we will listen to your spirit, that we will seek out Christian community, that we will stay right in the zone and that this will be our way of life. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Our Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And after he broke it, he blessed God. He said, this is my body, given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after he blessed God, he poured it. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this, as often as you drink it, to remember me. So as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Will you pray with me? Creator God we are your workmanship you see beauty you see life you see joy thank you Jesus Christ you are our savior you save us by your blood by grace we don't have to do anything thank you Holy Spirit, you animate us, you speak to us, you inspire us, you convict us, you remind us that we are God's workmanship, redeemed in Jesus Christ, empowered by you to do good works. Thank you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that as we eat this bread and drink this cup, that they become for us the body and blood of Christ to nourish and sustain us, in ways we don't even know we need. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Together, we proclaim our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Let us say together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This evening to receive the feast will come forward. You'll tear a piece off the loaf. You'll dip it in the cup and eat it. It's a method called intinction. You'll come up this way, all right? So down this aisle. Um, You half of the choir, you can merge into the center, okay? And then you... Move this way and through. In this half of the choir, you can merge in this center aisle. Okay, and go on back. If you are a communicant member in your home church, you are welcome to participate in the feast here. If you're not a communicant member, we still invite you to come forward. You can simply place your arms over your chest in the sign of the cross in order to receive a blessing. Tonight, we are very glad to have elders from Madison Square Christian Reformed Church who are supervising our supper, and from Mayfair Christian Reformed Church, and um, this is the end of a long day for our elders. Let's think about eldering. That's, that's a lot of work on Sunday. And so as you come forward and you receive from them, uh, you say thank you and after the service come up, we have um, saints of the church with us tonight. These are people who have shaped my spiritual life. They've been a big part of uh, the story of this college. And so please uh, honor our elders with your, your gratitude. If you need uh, gluten-free bread, come to my station, and I will get it for you there. Our Jesus says to us, come all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. I invite the elders to come forward.